Hour 2, Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. It's Tim Unglesby and Chris Wynn with you as we break down college football previews. As we've Over the past few weeks, we've looked at many, many of the conferences. We're down to the nitty-gritty now. And, Chris, before we jump into this real quickly, you know, you're a big-time radio personality doing a doubleheader today. You're on other shows across the dial let everybody know where they can find you on that, their social media. Oh, no question. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Christian Wynn on Twitter. You can find me also at Christian W. Wynn on Facebook and uh, also on Instagram as well, too, at CWIN77. So I'm across the board uh, when it comes to all the social media sites. And, yeah, as you pointed out, I mean, you know, obviously done a lot of uh, great stuff with Lotus Broadcasting, whether it be at ESPN Radio and, of course, at Fox Sports Radio and even at NBC Sports Radio back in the day when it was NBC Sports Radio. Now that, uh, you know, Lotus has got the expansive library across the board. So, uh, you know, it's it's all kind of action there. And then, uh, yeah, as you pointed out, I am on uh, across the dial as well, too, on, on a number of other shows. So keeps me active here in Vegas and gives me a chance to kind of spout off my takes to him, you know, and uh, occasionally go toe-to-toe and and because uh, I love talking sports and uh, it's – it's just a great venue to, to go about doing it when it comes to sports radio. Well, let's jump into the Atlantic Coast Conference. Two divisions, the Atlantic and the Coastal. The winners of each of those respective divisions play in the ACC title game for a right to probably, most likely, go to a what we consider a Final Four situation with the, the BCS, FFC, whatever you want to call it nowadays, and a right to play for the national title. So we'll look at the Atlantic Division first. Chris, of course, led by the Clemson Tigers, a, a, just a powerhouse over the last, what, seven years, I'd say. They've just been on an absolute run, including a couple national titles there. And it's been a situation where uh, head coach Dabo Sweeney, in his little bit over a decade with the school, has amassed a 140-33 and 33 record as the coach of the Clemson Tigers. Trevor Lawrence is gone, Chris, but the the cupboard is always stocked. If you're a Clemson fan, and again, they're the favorite to win not only the Atlantic Division, but the ACC Conference as a whole. Yeah, this is one of those programs, Tim, we talk about in college football where they don't necessarily have to rebuild. They just reload, and that's exactly the situation here with the Clemson Tigers. It's a, it's a program that's won six league titles in a row, and... Uh, all the pieces are in place for them to do exactly that again this year. You mentioned the quarterback position. They have a pretty good one, to say the <laughs> least, in DJ uh, Uogalele. I don't want to mess up his name, but, uh, you know, he's absolutely primed for a breakout season and uh, follow in the footsteps. Look, is he another Trevor Lawrence? Maybe not, but he's still going to be pretty impressive. And uh, they got a guy by, in the, by the name of Justin Ross who's going to be a big-time player as a uh, wide receiver. You've got outstanding running back depth, despite the fact that they lost Travis Etienne to the NFL. And uh, this is a Clemson team that's led the ACC in scoring for three consecutive years. And all the places pieces are in place, Tim, for them to be one of the best offenses again this year. But even if you mentioned all the good things on offense, defensively is where this team makes their mark. I mean, their d- defensive side of the ball is their strength. And uh, their defensive line, you're talking about a D-line that's one of the best in college football, okay? And you've got a guy uh, in, uh, in James Skalski who 
could have gone to the NFL this year, decide not to. He comes back, and he's going to be a key guy in that linebacking core for them. And then one of the breakout guys that, that people are going to be talking about is Trenton Simpson, who, you know, adds all kinds of depth and talent to this group, too. So, uh, you know, the secondary, look, they lost Kendrick, uh, but the Clemson's still going to be tough against the pass. You're, you're looking at two freshmen that are expected to be big-time contributors in both Nate Wiggins and Andrew Makuba as well, too. So, I mean, look, Clemson's loaded across the board. They're going to face some opposition. They're going to face, you know, some a, a tough task, whether it's NC State, whether it's Miami, whether it's North Carolina. And uh, they're going to get some pushback from those teams. But clearly, the Tigers are the class of this division. And really, when you're looking at schedules, Tommy loves to look at schedules. You know, we're granted with it just right out the gate, not next week, but the week following when all the teams start start their schedules, basically. We, we get a possibility, Chris, of a, a, a FSC title game, right? You got Clemson and Georgia matching up in Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium right there where the Panthers play. That's week one for Clemson. Week one, so you get... Ugiolele and JT Daniels. Not only is this a, a uh, two teams that are looking for the the national championship this year, Chris, but two two guys that are battling for that Heisman as well. And there's no question if you want to play the schedule game, there's a lot of you know college football experts. I think they're going to lose to Georgia, so mm -hmm. you could have a team that's 0-1 that's still going to be thought of as the overwhelming favorite, not just in you know the uh, the ACC Atlantic but also in the ACC period and still have a chance to win a national championship, even if they come out of the gate with one loss. So, I mean, that just shows you, I think, that the respect that Dabo Swinney and the rest and, and this Clemson program has, you know, garnered throughout uh, not just the southeast but around the country. The, the main opposition for Clemson in the Atlantic, you, you mentioned them, it appears it's most likely going to be North Carolina State, and they do match up against the Wolfpack on September the 25th at NC State. So their first month right out the gate, they get Georgia and NC State both on, on uh, away from home. But navigating that schedule, and if they do somehow get past Georgia with a win, which, look, it's a, it's a, it's a coin flip for me, right? So either, either way, win or loss, I don't see them losing another game the rest of the way out, Chris. So it puts them right back in the mix. Yeah, and you talked about, you know, what the competition is going to be in that division. It's absolutely NC State, and I think Boston College deserves credit too. And I mean, it, it, look, NC State, you're talking about you know one of the ACC's top backfields and receiving cores. And uh, oh, by the way, Devin Leary's back after missing you know the last seven games last year because he was hurt. So the places are in peace. You've got one of the top offensive lines in the conference as well too, with uh, with Ekwonu and uh, and Gibson anchoring that group. This is an NC State team that was you know after finishing four and eight which is atrocious, uh, you know, after a 4-8 finish last year, they went 8-4 and lost two of those games by, uh, by, by three points or less. So the only difficult thing I think about when I think about the Wolfpack, though, is the schedule, as you pointed out. I mean, it's a tough crossover schedule, too, for them. they got to play Miami and North Carolina, and then they have a road trip where they have to go and play Mississippi State on the road, too, in non-conference play this year. So... Uh, you know, the Wolfpack are going to get tested, no question about it. But I still think that they're, them, along with Boston College, are going to be the two teams that, that uh, you know, are going to give the most resistance to the Clemson Tigers. What about a Florida State team? Uh, obviously not the same 
seminal team over the, over the through the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. It's a different different program nowadays, but not not a problem recruiting there. I, I think a lot for me, it's just the coaching hasn't been the, what we'd say is the best since Bobby Bowden has left, and you know it's it's, it's a program that you you expect to be there in the mix, and they just aren't right now. But they did get a nice transfer in Mil- Mackenzie Milton out of UCF. Uh, I don't know if he's won the job yet. I know it was up between him and Jordan Travis for that spot. But it's it's a maybe, for me, maybe a, a team flying under the radar, Chris. I don't say they, they beat Clemson for the division, but most most pundits have them as around a six-win team, five, six-win team. They only won three last year. But if Mc, if McKenzie's the guy and, and he can rally this team around Mike Norvell and keep his job there, Maybe seven, eight wins gets him a bowl bid, and that, that has to be some what you look at as progress for Florida State. Yeah, this is a team that, uh, from a sentimental standpoint, right, and, uh, I mean, that's even it's, it's kind of weird to say, right, because it's Florida State. They seem like they've been a perennial power for decades because they have. But, uh, you know, you, you mentioned UCF transfer McKenzie Milton coming off that, you know, horrendous leg injury that he suffered back in 2018, and uh, I do think that he's going to end up winning the job there. Florida State, but this is a Seminoles team that has to get back on track. I mean, they're only, what, 21 and 26 over their last four years. You've got Mike Norville going into his second season there as the head coach, and I think a normal offseason here, you know, you know, after last year, of course, with COVID-19, everything was kind of just, just kind of off, off track. I think it should help the staff get on both sides of the ball uh, get back to normal. Um, but let's face it, I, I've talked about NC State's schedule. They've got a brutal schedule, the Seminoles, Tim. I mean, it is absolutely brutal. And, uh, you know, look, I, I like what their backfield looks like with Corbin and, uh, and Ty Feely as well, too. Those two guys are going to combine for carries. Offensive line, you know, look, the offensive line isn't where it needs to be. But uh, I, I think that it, it, it can be absolutely – with a good camp, I think they can be absolutely solidified. And uh, – you know, and, and look, if, if Milton can go in there and play well, I think that uh, this, this is absolutely a team that, uh, that can actually make some noise. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about the depth at wide receiver that they have there. They've got a couple of true freshmen in Destin, uh, Destin Hill and, uh, and Malik McLean, who are both wide receivers, I think, that can make some noise. But uh, obviously, Norville hit the transfer portal hard, right? I mean, he brought in Milton. He brought in Gibbons, the offensive line. He brought in D.J. Williams, the running back, and also uh, Parchment, too, the wide receiver. So uh, if they can get Robert Scott to be a big-time offensive lineman like they need him to be and anchor that line, there's no doubt. And uh, the transfer portal helped them on defense, too, by the way, Tim. That You know, they picked up uh, Jermaine Johnson and also Keir Thomas, along with Brandon Moore and, uh, and, uh, and Jamie Robinson on the back end of that unit, too. So... Uh, you you got to get better on defense when you surrender 36 points a game and over six almost seven yards a carry per play last season. Uh, that's not good. So the defense I think is going to be much improved. And uh, Adam Fuller, you know, he's you know he's been there for one year, so we'll see what we can do as a coordinator. But the pass rush needs definitely needs a spark as a team that end up. I think the Seminoles had like 10 sacks last year. So they're going to have to be able to get after the quarterback a little bit more, and uh, we'll see if they're able to do it. Rounding out the division, Syracuse uh, destined for another 
look, they're a basketball school. We know that. It's been a long time since they've had a, a great football program. It looks like they're going to ride the bottom of the Atlantic Division. And then the two in the middle, Chris, Louisville and Wake Forest, the, the, the interesting thing about these two teams in that they're going to go by, obviously, how QBs go. And in Louisville, you have uh, – he's not Lamar Jackson, but plays in that same style of vein that he did when he was in Louisville, Malik Cunningham. He can beat you through the air or on the ground. And then if you're a fan of the show QB1, I don't know if you remember that show, Chris, but Sam Hartman over at Wake Forest now, coming into uh, what a lot of experts thought he could be as a college quarterback. And he's in um, 200, he's played 22 games, 33 touchdowns, hasn't thrown a pick in over 260 attempts. So they're going to go as those guys go. And if they could put it together, you know, Wake Forest and Louisville you talk about Florida State being under the radar. These two teams are as well. But, again, when you go look at the schedules, they, they suffer. Uh, it's, it's brutal. The ACC is brutal. So whatever teams come out of these into bowl situations deserve to be there. It's, it's definitely a tough conference. Yeah, Tim, you look at the Cardinals last year. This was just a team that was done lucky, flat out unlucky, especially when it came to the turnovers. I mean, they were minus 12 with their turnover margin. Uh, they were a team that was horrible when it came to field position, and they lost you know, their last four games by seven points or less. So they were just an unfortunate squad across the board. Now, you talked about the offense. You know, Malik Cunningham's a guy, if he can return to his form that he had a couple years ago, right, where he was, where he was solid, to say the least, this offense should absolutely improve on the scoreboard. You could, you should, we should be talking about a team that can put up 30 points plus. You know, when you have an offensive line as promising as theirs, and you've got a guy – you know, in Marshawn Ford, who is at the tight end position, we're talking about a guy who's going to be all ACC probably at that position. So, uh, you know, if look, Cunningham was just – he regressed last year. He got worse. Mm -hmm. And his interceptions went up. So, you, they need to get, you know, him back on track. And, uh, you know, and, and a big key too is how will Satterfield replace those two key receivers, both Atwell and Fitzpatrick, as well as Hawkins are gone. So you need to get, you know, you're going to need someone like a Jordan Watkins, one of their freshmen to watch. You're going to need him to step up. You're going to need Wirtz, to, to, you know, who transferred in. You're going to need him to play big. And uh, you're going to need Jalen Mitchell to be a guy that uh, on the ground is a big-time player. So for me, you know, you know, Louisville's defense is kind of whatever. I mean, it's, it's trending in the right direction, uh, especially in the second half of last season. But it's not going to be about the defense. It's not going to be about Brian Bowner's defense. It's going to be about the off. To me, it's going to be about if Louisville is going to make some noise, it's going to be about this offense and not necessarily the defensive side of the ball. And Scott Satterfield, Chris, he he took over the call, offensive call playing duties as well. So he thinks, you know, obviously I guess he feels like maybe a little fire under the seat there. He better put something to it. If he's going to go out, he's going to go out on his own terms. And you're right, Cunningham two years ago, to last year and maybe COVID and the whole situation really messed with him mentally. I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just an opinion. I'm interested to see what he can do this year. And, you know, you talk about just, just basically getting thrown to the wolves with some of these other teams. Louisville has a chance, Chris, moving into a September 17th matchup at home against UCF to see where they're really at. Of course, they get Ole Miss to open the season in Atlanta you know, it's it's not an easy slate of games, and then at Wake and at Florida State. So we'll see come beginning October where this Cardinal team sits. 
No question. Uh, you know, the team we haven't even talked about too the, uh, is the Boston College Eagles. Yeah. I mean, this is a team that they look they they exceeded expectations last year. You got a coach in his first season in Halfley, and they go over 500. You know, they're now their roster is much more experienced. You got one of the ACC's top quarterbacks there. You know, and they've got they've got games that they can win in crossover matchups. All right, Tim. I mean, you got you're gonna. You're going to have absolutely opportunities to win against Virginia Tech, and then when you go at Georgia Tech as well, too, those are winnable, winnable football games. And, oh, by the way, they play in, in their conference. They play, you know, home games against the likes of NC State, Wake Forest, and Florida State. So all things are pointing up when you talk about this Boston College Eagle team. You know, you've got Jerkovic there, quarterback, who had his, you know, returns after, after a, a very solid debut up there in Chestnut Hill, the Eagles return all kinds of starters, Tim, like all kinds of starters, all right, particularly on the offensive side of the football. All five starters up front are coming back. They have one of the best offensive lines in the ACC. Hunter Long is going to be missed as at the tight end position, but he's got all kinds of targets, too. He's got Kobe White. He's got, you know, Zay Flowers. He's got uh, uh, Jalen Gill. All these guys are going to be huge contributors to this Eagles offense, so uh, you know, and you got a running back in Xavier Coleman. I don't know what it is with Boston College, but they always seem to have like some running back that ends up making it to the NFL, right, Tim, and ends up doing something. And so, you know, and Xavier Coleman might be the next guy that does that. Uh, they had a couple of transfers that should make, you know, significant contributions in both Sinkfield as the running back and also Trey Barry, the tight end. So that combined with uh, what I think, I think Jalen Gill is going to have a breakout year. This is, this is going to be a Boston College team that's going to be pretty solid. Let's move over to the Coastal Division where all eyes are on quarterback Sam Howell of North Carolina, the Tar Heel quarterback. Starts his third year at Chapel Hill. 30 touchdown passes last year, Chris, for Sam Howell and an eight-win team. Heisman He's one of the Heisman preseason favorites. And Mac Brown, 33 years as a head coach now in college football. His team's looking to be the team to challenge Clemson for the ACC title, and, and really, I like him. I like him a lot. I think the schedule plays into their favor this year, Chris, and I'm looking to see what Howell can do as he moves his way as being one of the top contenders in the NFL draft next year as well. Yeah, Tim, Mack Brown, all those years coaching, right? He's, he's only in the second season there at North Carolina, so Howell, without question, not just one of the top quarterbacks in the ACC, but one of the top quarterbacks in the nation. And last year, this team just flat out scored points. We're talking about almost 42 points a game last year. And the Tar Heels got better, Tim, when it came to the offensive line. The offensive line is better. So, you know, while they have, they had, look, the, the Tar Heels had some turnover at some skill spots. But there's still, when you look at this unit, there is no lack of talent whatsoever across the board. And you're going to be looking at people like, you know, Gavin Blackwell, the wide receiver. You're going to be looking at uh, Ty Chandler, the running back. And you're going to be looking at Josh Downs, the wide receiver, who I think is going to have a huge, huge game, or excuse me, a huge season. So, and uh, on the other side of the football, the trajectory looks really good. And uh, this is a Tar Heels team that generated 36 sacks last year and uh, didn't, fin didn't finish great when it came to pass efficiency defense. They finished sixth in the ACC. But uh, Mac Brown, what he's able to do on the recruiting trail, 
adding talent to uh, to a, you know a two deep and eight returning starters uh, is a pretty good foundation to have if you're North Carolina, including cornerback Storm Duck and both Tony Grimes, which are probably, uh, if not one of the best duos in the ACC on their in their defensive backfield. So there's no question this is a North Carolina team that is going to make some noise, and don't be shocked if they're playing in the ACC championship game against Clemson. Over at Miami, Manny Diaz now third season with the Canes. Starting, you know, another you look at the teams of the, the powerhouse of the 80s and 90s, and it was Florida State, Miami, and both went through it. Just you're seeing them both kind of go through their their the other side of it, right, Chris? Basically, it's it's a situation where they're they're these teams weren't programs weren't used to being on the losing end, and and they're trying to bring their way back. And Diaz, I think, has come in and settled the farm down a little bit. And again, it's going to go through the quarterback and De'Ara King. They two years ago they got him from the University of Houston. And last year, Chris led them to eight wins, and they were able to score points as well. The thing that stopped them from being uh, in contention was two of their three losses. The third was in a bowl game. So there were two losses in the regular season at Clemson, blown out, home against North Carolina, blown out. So it kind of says where they sit in the pecking order. Now, with that being said, they returned their top four running backs from last year, two of which broke the 500-yard barrier, and, and King is healthy. He was hurt for, for a, a good portion of last year. So can Miami make a run at North Carolina? They'll get their shot against the Tar Heels, and they'll get it a little bit earlier this year, Chris, but it'll be on the road in October against, or at North Carolina, October the 16th. They got Michigan State before that. Oh, well, yeah, and, of course, they opened the season <laughs> in Atlanta against Alabama. I don't think there's any question that they can absolutely contend with North Carolina there. You've got King coming back from, of course, you mentioned the torn ACL that he suffered in the bowl loss to Oklahoma State. But it looks like, you know, and from all reports coming out of there, is that he's had a full recovery and he looks he looks outstanding. So you're talking about a guy that transferred from Houston who's one of the more dynamic quarterbacks in the country. So you've got an offensive line that has absolutely improved and you have a receiving core that's just gotten deeper this year here in 2021 by adding Charleston Rambo. So uh, they also, uh, you, you look at this Hurricane team, and uh, I talked about running backs when it came to Boston College. How about Miami Hurricane running backs? Yeah, they've had a few, right, that have made noise and that are half decent. And uh, the Canes also have a couple of good options there, running backs. So obviously getting King back to full strength is a must, okay? And I think the line does have some room to improve because they did give up 30 sacks last year. And uh, I think the ground game has to take a – a bigger step forward. You can't, you know, just have 4.2 yards of carry that they had last season. That's that's something that has to improve. But, uh, you know, I, I mentioned, of course, Rambo transferring in. They also got an offensive lineman and uh, Ula Watson, who also is going to be a, a guy. But uh, Will Mallory, the tight end, look at him in this Miami offense making a, a huge difference because uh, this is going to be an offensive, more of an off, it's not necessarily a balanced team, in my opinion. Their offense is going to be more indicative of what they're going to be able to do this year as opposed to the defense, given that uh, Miami's defense gave up, what, 27 points a game last year and uh, almost six yards per play last season as well, too. So Diaz ho has to hope he can improve on that unit. And, uh, and uh, he's look, he's taken over the play-calling duties as far as the defense is concerned. So how much can Diaz get as far as improvement out of this defense is going to be a big key to them. You got Virginia Tech, Pitt, 
Virginia kind of in the middle, uh, most prognostications. What are you looking at here? You, you think Virginia Tech can bounce back? Justin Fuente, I think he's kind of at that that situation. He's in his five years there, 38 and 26, maybe looking for that next step up. I'm not sure the quarterback situation there. It looks like it's Burmeister to go this year now with, with Hooker gone, but they do have re- the top returning uh, wide receivers, and they return 8 to 12 on the defensive side of the football. I like Virginia Tech to kind of move into the next spot with uh, Pitt and Virginia close behind. Yeah, the Hokies, you look at this team, and look, you like the trio, right, when it comes to the passing game. You like Burmeister, you like Trey Turner, you like Robinson, and even like the tight end, James Mitchell, who is looking to be probably their breakout star on offense. So uh, you've got three returning starters in the offensive line, and uh, and Burmeister's played, you know, played pretty well in his limited time there in Blacksburg. So uh, the, the, the questions are this, you know, can, can – can Burmeister can he, you know translate you know his solid play over a full season? You know that's that's a big question they're asking, and also who steps up at the running back position, right, Tim? Who replaces Khalil Herbert? You know, in, in at at that position, they you know you got to get either. I, I mean, look, I they've had transfers in there, but no running backs really. Uh, they do they did bring in a freshman who's going to be interesting to see how he pans out, and that's Jaden Payout. I think he's someone that can uh, make some noise as well too. So, uh, but again, I, I, be, I, to be, I got to be quite honest with you though, and it's probably the next team we're going to talk about. I think that there's a team that uh, is probably going to be elevated above the Hokies, and that's the probably the next team we're going to talk about. Would that be the Pitt Panthers? Yeah, yeah. Pitt Pat Barnu- Pat Narduzzi, 42 and 34 in his six years with the program. You talk about loaded up, though, offensively. Kenny Pickett, Vincent Davis, A.J. Davis, and Jordan Addison all back. All that core of offense there, Chris. And I think that they're looking at, so last year, a six-win team. I think eight's definitely in the mirror there for Pittsburgh. Yeah, they're probably not going to get 10 for a title, obviously, this year. But they're, they're, this is a program that's – you talked about Pat Narduzzi, by the way, former Michigan State assistant, obviously – uh, for the Spartans, they're coming off their third consecutive season of a 500 or better record. So you love to see that as a program to continue to get better and continue to you know try to inch their way up towards more relevance in the ACC. But uh, I think that I think the Panthers could push for maybe eight wins this, this fall. I mean, you mm-hmm. talked about Kenny Pickett. You obviously talked about Addison. They got some other pieces too. From you know, from Taysir Mack, you got uh, you know you got Jacques Luis as well too. You got uh, you know, on on Paquita as well too is is as a guy on the ground uh, that could that can make some difference. And you got three starters on the offensive line that are returning up front. So uh, this is a Pitt Panther team from an offensive standpoint that was ranked near the bottom of the ACC in yards per play in each of the last two years, and didn't exactly finish with an electrifying offense. They were under 30 points a game last fall. So uh, you need to you need to obviously kind of you, you need to rectify that situation and so uh you know with bringing in the likes of uh Melquiz Stovall and uh offensive line like Marcus Minor and obviously Israel uh Anna Baconda, as I pointed out there this is an offense I think that can absolutely improve defensively uh Pitt was outstanding I mean Pitt was outstanding in 2020 we're talking about a defense that just 
shut down offenses down to you know under five yards per play in 2020, and uh, under under 25 points a game. And they led the conference in rush defense and had a ton of sacks. Tim, 46 sacks. So Narduzzi and, and Randy Bates both. Uh, while they do have some retooling to do, the unit's going to still be one of the better groups in the conference. And you've got the likes of uh, the corner and Mathis coming back to boost the secondary. And so, uh, you know, and the linebacking crew is going to be one of the best in the conference as well, too. So you like what they have defensively. You just uh, hope that the question marks are getting going to get it ironed out from an offensive standpoint. And as you pointed out, uh, a quarterback that uh, one of the rare quarterbacks, by the way, a quarterback that uh, is uh, going to be a fifth-year starter. You know, he's going to be the uh, uh, the Ryan Reynolds slash uh, what's Ryan Reynolds' character for the movie where he's in college for like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, quarterback Kenny Pickett there for yeah. the Pitt Panthers. And Virginia G Tech Duke round out the Coastal Division. Any any thoughts on those three teams, Chris? That you know, I think they kind of just says everything. I, I'm not looking for any of those three to surprise anyone this year. Yeah, look, I mean, when it, when you're talking about Bronco Mendenhall, uh, there is no question that he's a guy whose teams can sometimes surprise. And you're talking about a Cavaliers team that was, what, just a year removed from winning the Coastal Division. So, obviously, they've had a ton of injuries and personnel turnover on both sides of the ball last season. So... And, and uh, we talked about schedules. They're going to have a difficult schedule here in 2021. So we'll see what Brandon Armstrong can do uh, as far as, uh, as far as you know, this is a guy who uh, offensively, you know, they ranked third in the ACC by he, he was putting up uh, almost 300 yards total a game last year, and he should be even better this year. So you got four offensive starters returning for that Virginia Cavalier offensive line. And Armstrong's going to have some options with, with Kemp the fourth and uh, Henry as well, too, that they added in the transfer portal. So, uh, I mean, I, do they, are they going to be relevant when it comes to, you know, winning this, this side of this division uh, in, in this conference? Probably not. But I think that, uh, you know, Brock Mendenhall is a guy that's always is, is uh, down for throwing a, a surprise or two into the mix during the season. All right, prediction time, Chris. I think um, you might be on on my on my thinking here, my my uh, level of thinking. Let's go, Clemson, North Carolina to win the divisions. Clemson over North Carolina to win the ACC. That's pretty much the lineup. I know. Look, I know it's kind of boring, and we're going chalk, but I mean, you have to look at you know the scenario, the situations that are presenting themselves regarding this conference and uh, I don't think there's any question that it's going to be it's going to be a minor surprise let's put it that way right Tim if the Tigers aren't the team that comes out of this conference all righty Mateo let's take a quick timeout. we'll come back and we'll head west talk about the Pac-12 it's Tim Unglesby and Chris Wynn final timeout on E-Wave Sports back shortly after this Tim Unglesby, Chris Wynn with you back here on Heat Wave Sports as we round out a Super Sunday night of Heat Wave Sports. Give you the programming update. We are off next weekend. So we'll be back September the 4th as we finish up our college football previews. Yes, I know the season will already kicked off, but it's okay. 
We're going to close it out with the SEC and the Big Ten and get you ready for NFL football because our NFL previews will be the fifth, Chris. So clear the schedule September 5th. Chris Wynn, we need you for the NFL previews, my man. Oh, no question about that. And it's funny how you mentioned that next week we're off. I mean, like, look, I know I, I just jump in every now and then. I'm part of the Heat Bay family, so I, I probably wouldn't be doing the show next week anyway. But first big fantasy football draft next weekend, Tim, <laughs> coming up on Sunday. So I don't know uh, how many libations or adult beverages would be consumed before I would have to, you know, actually uh, do some radio. So I think it's good that we're, that, that uh, I, I'll be off next week as well as you guys will. So. I still got to convince you to get back into our, the Heat Wave League. You, you came in one year, won the league, and left. I mean, who does that? No, didn't I come in and win the league like two two times in a row, and then, then I left? Yeah, I think yeah, I won a couple times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you know, law of averages says you got to give some of that back. I know, exactly, right? I gotta, <laughs> come on, come on, C-Win. Be a little charitable when it comes to, yeah. you know, giving back some of the dues that I, right, uh, right. That I took out of the uh, Heat Wave Sports Fantasy League. I might, I might just have you come to the draft to hang out, you know. It's always fun. To oh, I can definitely do that. That's, that. that is absolutely something that can that can happen and go down. Have some pizza, some brews, and, and watch these guys make fools of themselves, you know. It's, it's fun. <laughs> you know I'm not afraid of that whatsoever. Absolutely. All right, Chris, we're going to wrap it up with the Pac-12. I'm going to KT you right now. Ken Thompson, you here. So if we're running short on time, I'll give you the, I'll give you the hiccup. But we'll see if we can motor through this here in the next 18 minutes. So here we go. Pac-12 will start in the in the north and and look, it always starts with Oregon, doesn't it? Doesn't it, Chris? When you when you talk about who's winning the Pac-12 overall, but especially in their own division, you really got to look at the Ducks. And uh, <clears throat> you know, I wasn't sold particularly on Crystal Ball when he came over, but 25 and 10 in three years is not bad. It's it's not what we would say a national title contention record, but he keeps them. He keeps them in the mix here. And if you win the Pac-12, if you can do it with a loss, if you get one loss somewhere, and they play Ohio State this year, so maybe that's the loss. As long as they don't bump the road and get two or three losses in conference, they, they're in the mix. The Pac-12 team is in the mix for playing in the in the Final Four. The problem is that we've seen these Pac-12 teams lose three games, and that's it. You know, they're not going to be that one of the four out of the Power Five. So, how about Oregon? You, you know. The quarterback changing, always changing there, but they do return a solid, solid offense. Yeah, you mentioned Cristobal. Obviously, you know, it, the Oregon has been the standard bear. They really have for the Pac-12 as they are primed to win their third Pac-12 title, Tim, in a row this season if they're able to do it. You mentioned that. That is a huge barometer, by the way, that Ohio State game early on. And then you've got road trips to both Utah and Washington, which will not be easy. So, uh, you know, Oregon's going to get tested without question, but they absolutely have the best all-around roster when it comes to the conference. Offensively, you like what Joe Moorhead has to work with. Uh, he's one of the top play callers in all of college football. And uh, the quarterback situation, uh, the, quarter, the, the offense should be pro prolific, okay? You're talking about a one-two punch at running back with both Dye and Verdell. You know, all five starters are back up front, Tim. All five starting offensive linemen. And you've also got a ton of talent at uh, the wide receiver position. I think from the quarterback position, I think Anthony Brown's going to win it. He's a dual-threat guy. I think he's going to end up being behind center when you talk about the Ducks and they open their season. So uh, 
And look, Browns is obviously transferred from Boston College, played well in limited time last year. We saw what the schedules broke down as far as the Pac-12. Nobody played any, hardly any games. Most teams were playing like four games, right? So, and look, but he's going to get tested in week two right away against Ohio State. So, uh, this is a Ducks team that lost the most turnovers of any team in the Pac-12 last year and still won it. So, uh, you like what they have in wide receiver uh, Troy Franklin and uh, and Dante Thornton as well, too, who are two, two true freshmen. We'll see how much they play. But I'm telling you, Devin Williams is going to break out at, at the wide receiver position. And defensively, they are going to be a top-tier team as well, too, as you've got, uh, you know, Tim DeRuyter, Tim DeRuyter, you know, one of the top assistant hires of the offseason after uh, their former defensive coordinator of uh, – Avalos end up uh, going to be the head coach over at Boise State. So, uh, look, the Oregon's defense was hit a little bit when it came to opt-outs during last year, but you got seven starters back here in 2021. So this is going to be one of the top defensive units in the Pac-12. And so you got uh, you know you got Thibodeau, who's a first-team All-American. You got Justin Flo and, and and Noah Sewell, who are also rising stars at the linebacker position. This Ducks team is going to be just fine and is probably going to be sitting atop this division. Most likely their biggest threat will come from UW, the Washington Huskies. Limited to just four games last year, Mr. Wynn, because of that COVID situation. They did go 3-1, and one, but really it was a, a, it's a program. It's, it's kind of in secrecy of what's going on. And Jimmy Lake the, was in his first season, right, Chris? He, he you know, There's really a small sample size to know what you're getting with Washington. What I see, though, is a situation where Dylan Morris was the quarterback last year. Um, he, by all means, knows the offense. They've had over a year and a half to, to perfect this head coach quarterback. The problem is the rival Sam Heward, who, if you guys know football, Damon Heward, the former quarterback, Brock Heward, also a former Husky. Well, is the nephew of Brock Heward, so he's in. I'll have to get an update on the on the the race for the quarterback there, but I know the Washington Husky fans, Chris, were saying that they want to hear it already in there. You know, I don't think what Morris did last year was was spectacular by any means, but again, they only played four games, so it's it's a it's a situation where we're not really going to get a lot to go off of. But Washington, always well coached, always seems to be in the mix. I just not enough knowing. I, I like Oregon over Washington in that aspect. Yeah, the Huskies, they, they you know, hang their hat as far as the defense, right? We're talking about one of the league's better defenses. And the schedule looks pretty favorable for you. You, know, you look at this Washington Husky schedule here, Tim, and uh, they've got some spots where they can absolutely dominate. So, they, you know, they're, they're, look, there's obviously a couple tough games mixed in there because this is a league where you got you don't have any great teams, right? But you have a lot of very good teams. So, uh, but I, absolutely – the question marks are on offense, and it looks to me like apparently, you know, during camp, Dylan Morris is going to win the job, even though Sam Heward is, you know, highly touted. Uh, it looks like, you know, the Huskies are going to look for more consistency. They want more big plays, and they think Dylan Morris can be that guy to do it. You like the running back tandem they have there with McGrew and Richard Newton as well, too. And, uh, and oh, oh, by the way, they have, uh, you know, one of the best tight ends in college football in Kate Otten, too, so... Uh, you know, this is a an offense that most question me. Obviously, uh, you know, John Donovan is going to have to, as the offensive coordinator, is going to have to get this offense to step up. But defensively, there's no question 
that uh, Washington is going to be right there defensively. The, you know, since in, in, in like eight years, the Huskies have not finished lower than third in the Pac-12 in scoring defense. You've got Lake and new play caller Bob Gregory are going to have, you know, linebackers like Ryan Bowman and and uh, and Olofashio and and you got you know Trent McDuffie back there in the defensive backfield. So this is a defense that's going to be outstanding, and uh, they're getting back guys like uh, you know Tapua Fetu who's got hurt. He had Achilles tear last year, and uh, and they, look they got to replace uh, Elijah Molden. Obviously, uh, that's going to be one of their top priorities in their secondary. But this is absolutely a defense I think that's going to shine, and. Uh, I think that uh, defense is going to be a big key for this Washington Husky squad. All right, Chris, we're going to go rapid fire here in the north. Yeah. I want to leave some time for the south. So when you look at Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State, I like I like the – here's the two biggest things that stand out to me. First of all, in Stanford, David Shaw, unbelievable job as a coach. I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't gone anywhere else. He's 90 and 36 in his 10 years as a Stanford Cardinal head coach. He does lose David, Davis Mills in the quarterback position. He's now a Houston Texan, and they only played six games last year, again, because of a reduced schedule. But he's always got them somehow in the mix in contending. And Washington State intrigues me as well because former Hawaii coach Nick Rolovich, now the head man at Washington State, I want to see what he can do uh, implementing. You you know, Washington State always one of those teams that can score. I think he's going to bring that, keep that, uh, that method. I just don't know what the cupboard presents for him. I know he returns 8 of 12 starters, but 8 of 12 what starters for a team that won one game last year? Yeah, quickly on Washington State, I mean, obviously when you implement and develop the run-and-shoot scheme, right? And uh, obviously as a Lions fan, I'm very familiar with the run-and-shoot. So Rolovich didn't, ha- it didn't have a chance to do that, obviously, in 2020. And that was a big, big thing for Washington State. That being said, I don't think that uh, that the Cougars are gonna necessarily going to be uh, a team that's going to be up there. I like out of these teams that you mentioned, obviously with Stanford, and uh, and as well as uh, as Cal. I like Cal a lot. I really do. I mean, I, they, they had back-to-back winning seasons. Uh, you know, even after finishing, excuse me, back-to-back winning seasons uh, for the past two years before last year, and you know, and that one win mark. By the way, there's unusual nature last year. Uh, this is a team that was absolutely affected by what happened. So I think Chase Garbers is a guy that has has a chance to be one of the best guys in the conference at the quarterback position. And uh, you got a full offseason to work with Bill Musgrave. I think this offense is absolutely going to improve. So I look at, at this Cal Bears team as a team that can make some noise in the Pac-12 and uh, is going to highly improve on the fact that they were ranked last in Pac-12 play last year in uh, yards per play and uh, have been for like four consecutive seasons. I think this offense is going to take a jump, Tim. Over in the south, wide open, I think, when you look at the top teams here, Arizona State, USC, and Utah. We'll start with the Sun Devils. Herm Edwards, Chris, great NFL coach, now in his fourth year after retirement. He's 17-13 and so far as the head man with Arizona State. Jaden Daniels back after only playing four games last year because of covid so interested to see what the Sun Devils can do as far as um, score. They struggled in the, in the against the two California schools with the last two games of the year. They were able to put up a 70 spot and a 46 spot. So ASU has p- plenty of explosive potential there. Tim, you want to talk about teams in college football that brought people back? Nobody 
brought back more people than the Sun Devils did. They brought back basically everyone off of last year's team, including Jaden Daniels, including you know Rashad White, including Chip, uh, you know Trey Unum. All these, I mean, all these guys are coming back. Obviously, look at their schedule. They got a tough game where they have to go at Washington up there and play up there, and then you got to travel also to Utah too. But uh, you know, you play USC at home. Offensively, this team is going to be loaded up to be, I think, in my opinion, the best offense in all of the Pac-12. Okay, and that includes Oregon, by the way. You know, they led the Pac-12 in scoring yards per play last year. Daniels is a guy I think can have an absolutely monstrous year. You're talking about a backfield that's one of the deepest in college football. And uh, oh, by the way, they got a bunch of a bunch of weapons. Uh, you know, as far as wide receiver too. So. Uh, you know, this is going to be absolutely a team to watch. Even the freshman, Bunkley Shelton, I think, might actually get some run, uh, despite the fact that, uh, you know, they have all these, you know, they got they brought in Brian Thompson from the uh, transfer portal, as well as Spivey, the tight end, as well as Conyers as well, too. But no question, I think that uh, Elijah Badger and company on the offensive side of the ball are going to pace this team. And uh, on their side of the ball, quickly, I mean, the Sun Devils uh, were a scoring defense team first. You know, I mean, they absolutely could, could uh, you know, get the pick six. They could get the fumble recoveries. They were they were absolutely big time when it came to plays on the defensive side of the ball. You got you know Jermaine Lowell, who's a you know very disruptive guy, and a secondary that has two outstanding corners in Jack Jones and Chase Lucas. So uh, this is no question. You pointed it out. They are the cream of the crop when it comes to this division, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. About the Trojans at USC, I know you do some radio with with Ken Thompson, and he's a big SC guy. Keaton Slovis, the year three, he's 12-2 and two as a quarterback in the Pac-12 with USC, although their run was stopped against those Oregon Ducks here in Las Vegas at the big Pac-12 championship game. What do you think about the Trojans this year uh, returning Slovis for year number three? Well, I like Keaton Slo- Slovis, and I think that, you know, look, there's been, there's been some discussion that maybe – he could be a guy that could be on the on on the you know outside looking out you know and could be done, but uh, no, I think uh, you know. But is it? But there probably isn't a coach that I can think of really in college football that probably has more heat on him than Clay Helton does, right? I mean, I right. we talked to you mentioned KT, our buddy Kev Thompson. Anybody that's in the in the know when it comes to USC says that if Clay Helton doesn't, uh, if this team doesn't win nine ten games this year. And become relevant and get into a you know a solid bowl game, and or you know get into the Pac-12 title game, then Clay Helton could be gone. So, look, they've got all the pieces I think to contend for a conference championship, and uh, and they could this is this could be actually a team that could be a top ten team in the country with uh, the, with the pieces that they have. I mean, you're talking about you know uh, an offensive line that's gonna let's be honest about it, their offensive line is going to make or break them. Okay, because the Trojans are going to have to run the football better. Last year they were really bad running the football. They're just over three yards a carry in 2020, and they got to protect Slovis better. I mean, they gave up fi- they gave up 15 sacks. They played six games. All right, I mean that just can't happen. So you're going to have to get Michael Jackson the third to to be a big time player for them. Look, he's a freshman. I get it, but uh, you got Malcolm Epps the tight end to transfer in. You got Washington. You got uh, KD Nixon as well as Ingram, the running back. So those guys, along with Drake London, I think are going to pace this offense, and it's going to be a big key for them moving forward. Now you look at the defense quickly, Tim. You know, uh, talent's not an issue whatsoever. 
You've got Todd Orlando as the new coordinator uh, last year, all right? But you've got Drake Jackson, who's probably one of the best defensive players in the conference. And uh, and you've got and Corey Foreman also, who is uh, a key addition from their recruiting class. So uh, defensively, they've got to do a better job in the red zone and continue to build on last year's progression. But uh, this is a defense, I think, that can be solid, and uh, USC can absolutely make some noise. Over in Salt Lake, Utah, Kyle Whittingham, 16 years, unbelievable head coach, 134-66 and 66 with the Utes. Now well over a decade in the Pac-12, always a team that battles for contention. Just announced today, Chris, Charlie Brewer, the transfer from Baylor, will be the starting quarterback for Utah. I think that's a great move. Uh, they also loaded up the transfer situation with T.J. Pledger and Chris Curry at Oklahoma and LSU for running back position. What about the Utes? Never count them out, man. Yeah, Charlie Brewer is a guy who should stabilize that quarterback position there, obviously transferring from Baylor. The Utes are, are projected third, but there's a lot of experts, college football experts I've listened to, Tim, in the last couple of weeks that think that the Utes could win this that they could win this division. They could win the whole thing as far as the division. Uh, you got a tight end there, and, and, uh, and Brant, I think you say his name. It's Kuthi, I think is how you say it. He's an underrated guy. They've got, you know, they got Britton Covey, who's one of the Pac-12s. Uh, you know, top all-purpose players as well, too, and an offensive line that's going to be one of the best in the conference. So Utah is going to be able to absolutely score some points. Defensively, obviously, is one of the is is the question marks that they have here. You know, and uh, they've replaced several key players from the 2019 defense. Uh, and Utah was able to hold hold teams to 26 points a game last year. So you you know, if this unit's able to take a big step forward defensively with guys like Devin Lloyd, the linebacker, and uh, a group of defensive linemen that's, one of, again, one of the best in the Pac-12, then Utah under Kyle Whittingham should be just fine. UCLA, Colorado, Arizona round out the South Division. Keep an eye on quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the ex-Gorman Gale over in UCLA this season as well. Chris, who we got? I got Arizona State over Oregon to win the Pac-12. And I have... Oregon over Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. That will be where, Tim? Las Here in Vegas, Vegas right? Yeah. Chris, always a pleasure, man. We appreciate you always coming on. And you'll be back in two weeks for the NFL preview. Good times, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Have a good week. That is Chris Wynn, radio personality. Always great, great having Chris on the show. For Mateo, I'm Tim Ungles. We have a great sports week. Enjoy your week. We're off until September the 4th. We'll talk to you then. Heatwave Sports, only on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. That's 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night.